during the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and God's kingdom will stand forever. Welcome to the end. If I was to ask a hundred different Christians how baptism was supposed to happen, I could easily get 100 different answers. And it just boggles my mind. It's like, how is it possible that something that is so simple in the Bible can become so messed up? We're going to have a look today at what the Bible says on this most important subject. But before we do, here's some of the fun examples that I've come across. Of course, in recent times, people have been being baptised over Zoom. And I guess that's the COVID way that it's done these days. But people get baptised over the phone. People get baptised in rose petals. People get baptised for the dead. People get baptised three times forward. Some get sprinkled. Some get buckets of water poured on their head. Some get full immersion. The list just goes on and on and on. But the first question we need to really ask in relationship to this subject right here is, is baptism even important at all? I mean, this is just something that happens on the outside. It's not something that happens on the inside. What does the Bible actually have to say? And in the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 3, Jesus answers this question. The Bible is speaking, Jesus is speaking here to Nicodemus. And Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, Jesus doesn't stop there because Nicodemus asks, you know, what does it mean to be born again? Jesus comes back in verse 5 and says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The Bible is clear and Jesus is clear that we need to have both baptism of water and baptism of the Spirit. Baptism of the Spirit, of course, is what brings about conversion. But it's related to baptism by water and we're going to explore the relationship between these two and why it is that Jesus asks us to experience both. In Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, he that believes and is baptized. Notice that there are two things important right here, both belief and baptism shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be damned. And so baptism is incredibly important. I think this is one of the reasons why in the Bible, the thief on the cross is the only example, and of course for him it was impossible, of somebody who the Bible speaks about as being saved in the New Testament without baptism. The Bible only gives us one exception to that. And so we should treat this as being incredibly important. Okay, so why is it important? What does it symbolize and what is it all about? Romans chapter 6 has the answer. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a new life. 
The Bible tells us that baptism is a symbol of death, burial, and resurrection. But who is it that is dying? Who is it that is being buried? And who is it that is being resurrected in this scenario? If we go down to verse 6, the Bible says, quite simply knowing this, that our old man, that's our old person, the person that we used to be, is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That from this point forward, we should not serve sin. Have you ever felt like you've messed up in life and it would be a great thing if you could just start over, start from scratch, have a clean slate and start all over again? Well, I know I've felt like that on occasions and this is what baptism is all about. It's all about God coming to you and saying, I know you've messed up your life and let's face the reality all of us have. And it's God saying, I know you've messed up your life and I know that you would like a fresh start and I'm going to give you a fresh start right here and this is a symbol to symbolize that you're making a fresh start. You see, friends, when a person is baptized and they go under the water, well, it's a great symbol of death. You know, you close your eyes when you go under the water and that's what we do when people die. We close their eyes. And then when you go under the water, you stop breathing. And that's what happens when people die. They stop breathing. And when you're under the water, you have your eyes closed and you're not breathing anymore. That's a great symbol of being dead. The old person, the old life, dead, gone forever. And then when you're under the water from the surface, you can't be seen anymore. That's a great symbol of burial. But what happens when you come back up out of the water again? Well, you open your eyes, you start breathing again, which is a symbol that a new life has begun. That something has changed and now the old person is gone, is buried, is dead, is over. You're starting from scratch. You're starting from a fresh point. You're making a new start with Jesus Christ. This is what is so wonderful about the symbol of baptism. And to understand what I'm talking about when I talk about going under the water, we need to look at what the Bible has to say about how a person is baptized. Because many people come to me and they say, well, I've been baptized, but I never went under the water. I was just sprinkled. Well, and others say, well, I just had, you know, a a bowl of water that was poured on my head. You know, when we bury somebody in the tomb, We don't just sprinkle a little bit of dirt on top of them and say, okay, our job is done, we can go home now. Neither do we pour a bucket full of dirt over the top of their head and say, it's all good, we're done. No, we bury them deep under the ground and that's the appropriate way to deal with death and that's what baptism is a symbol of. Let's look at how Jesus was baptized. You see, friends, you can never go wrong following the example of Jesus Christ. You can go wrong in lots of different ways in our world today. But following the example of Jesus is not one of them. Let's go to the book of Mark chapter 1. It's so simple right here. The Bible says in verse 9, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straight away coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. 
You know, the Bible account is so plain. The Bible says that he came from Nazareth. He came to John, who was by the Jordan River, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Not near the Jordan River, not in the vicinity of the Jordan River, not beside the Jordan River, not on the banks of the Jordan River, but in the Jordan River. And then it says, and straight away, coming up out of the water. Well, what is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying that Jesus was down in the water and now he's coming up out of the water. You see, the word baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo, which simply means to immerse. When you put your dishes in the sink, if they go all the way under the water and they are immersed, then they have been baptizoed. And we can read it right here. Just use the word immerse. Verse 9, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was immersed by John in the Jordan and straight away coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened. That's what the Bible means. If we go over to the book of Acts, and you know, it's got to be a commentary on human nature that we could take something so simple and mess it up so badly and get so far away from what Jesus did. Why don't we all draw closer to Jesus? And why don't we all determine in our hearts to follow Jesus' example in all things? Fascinating story in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, Philip is guided by the Spirit to go to the desert. He goes to the desert and he hears a chariot, he sees a chariot going past. He joins that chariot because that chariot has an individual in it who is described as the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, he is reading from the God, from the book of Isaiah. As he joins the chariot, the eunuch gives his life to Jesus Christ. The eunuch has been in Jerusalem worshipping God. He's a worshipper of the true God of Yahweh, and he gives his life to Jesus Christ right there. And then they come to an oasis. The Bible says in verse 36, and as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What is stopping me from being baptized, immersed. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized or he immersed him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip so that the eunuch did not see him anymore, and then he went on his way rejoicing. I want you to notice the very clear language of the Bible in this passage. The Bible says that they both went down into the water. They didn't stand beside it. They weren't near it. They went down into the water, and when they came back back up out of the water, then the Holy Spirit took Philip away, and the eunuch went back to Ethiopia to establish Christianity in that great country. One more verse that we're going to look at, and that is in John chapter 3. We were in John 3 earlier, but John chapter 3 and verse 23. John was baptizing in Aenon near Salem. Why? Because there was a lot of water there, and they came and were baptized. Now, friends, let me point out the obvious to you. You don't need a lot of water to baptize a lot of people if all you are doing is sprinkling them. 
A cupful of water will baptize hundreds of people if all you are doing is sprinkling them. Why did John choose this location? Because there was a lot of water there, there was enough water there for him to be able to immerse people in that water. Dr. Conant, in his systematic theology, wrote this. He said, examples have been drawn from writers in almost every department of literature and science. And this is in relationship to the word baptize. Does it have any other meaning? Has it ever been used for sprinkling? From poets, rhetoricians, philosophers, critics, historians, geographers, from writers on husbandry, on medicine, on natural history, on grammar, on theology, from almost every form and style of composition. Romances, epistles, orations, fables, odes, epigrams, sermons, narratives, from writers of various nations and religions, pagan, Jew and Christian, belonging to many countries and through a long succession of ages, in all the word baptize, immerse, has retained its ground meaning without change. From the earliest age of Greek literature down to its close, a period of nearly 2,000 years, not an example has been found in which the word has any other meaning. There is no instance in which it signifies to make a partial application of water by effusion or sprinkling or to cleanse, to purify, apart from the literal act of immersion as the means of cleansing and purifying. Friends, there is only one way that the Bible describes being baptized, and that is by immersion. And what a beautiful symbol it is, a symbol of death to who you were, burial of the old self and a new life, a fresh start in Jesus Christ. So the next question we must ask ourselves is who is eligible for baptism? And of course, I'm sure that many of you have been invited on various occasions to go to the baptism of a young child or a baby. We need to find out, is that appropriate according to the Bible? Let's go over to Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. And this is the Great Commission where Jesus founds the Christian church. Baptism was central to the founding of the Christian church. And in Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus says, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you, and I am with you always, even to the end of the world. What an incredible verse that we find right here. Notice we work our way through it. Jesus says, all power is given to me. You therefore go. Why is, why did those two thoughts go together? Because Jesus is promising to share his power with us. So he tells us to go out to the world. Well, when we go out to the world, what does he ask us to do? He says, teach all nations and then baptize them. Well, why does teaching come before baptism? Well, the answer is very simple. You see, God is not like one of these salespeople that kind of has, you know, that shark fin in the back. And all they want to do is get your name signed on a contract. And the last thing they want you to do is to read all of the fine print. Because there might be something in that fine print that puts you off. 
God is not like that. God's like, no. Before you sign up and become a Christian and sign your name on the dotted line and say, yes, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, do this. Read the Bible. I've got nothing to hide. Study what it says. Learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Then make your surrender to Jesus Christ and then give your life to Jesus Christ in baptism. If we go over to Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, we read that a moment ago. So we find the first thing here, the Bible says to teach and then be baptized or to learn and then be baptized. Mark 16 verse 16, the Bible says, He that believes and is baptized is saved. He that does not believe shall be damned. Notice here that the Bible links baptism and belief together. So we must teach or learn the major principles of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, and not only know about Jesus Christ, but now believe in Jesus Christ. Then we go over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Acts 2 and verse 38, where Peter says this. Peter says to them, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice we have three things here. First of all, we need to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and count the cost. Secondly, we need to believe in Jesus Christ with our whole heart. And when we believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says we will be given the gift of repentance for our sins. We need to repent of our sins and then be baptized. And this is where baptism has so much meaning for us. Now, if those are the prerequisites for baptism, some people ask me, well, how can a baby be baptized? How does a baby learn the principles of being a follower of Jesus Christ? How does the baby, how does a baby learn to believe in Jesus Christ, to profess that belief and to confess their sins? Have they even yet sinned? I mean, these are all really valid questions and they're questions that I ask. When I look at the example of Jesus, and let's look at the example of Jesus. If we go back to the book of Matthew, we ask ourselves the question, Jesus is our example in all things and was Jesus baptised as a baby? Well, no. If we go to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, the Bible says Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptised of him and Jesus was about 30 years old. John forbade him saying, I, I, I need to be baptised of you. Why are you coming to me? Jesus did not need to be baptized. Jesus' baptism was an example for us. Jesus answered and said, you know, allow it to happen. For thus is his best for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. And then in verse 16, we have this passage. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water. The heavens were opened. Under him, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and a voice from heaven saying, "This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." You know, friends, when anybody gives their life to Jesus Christ in baptism, that's exactly what takes place. The Holy Spirit comes upon you, and the Father speaks from heaven, and the Father says, "This is my beloved Son." 
This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that God the Father himself rejoices in singing and all heaven breaks out in song when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ. Maybe God is speaking to your heart now. Maybe God is calling on you and saying, this is a step that you need to take in your experience with Jesus Christ. But before we talk about that, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit more detail soon, let's go over and let's read what the Bible says in Acts chapter 19. Because there are those who come to me on occasions and they ask the question, I've been baptized before. Do I need to be baptized again? Is there a biblical precedent for that? And particularly people who have been baptized as a child ask this question. Others feel a little bit uncomfortable and they're like, well, you know, if I got baptized a second time, does that mean that I am denying my first baptism? Let's go to Acts chapter 19 and let's read the story that we have right here. Acts chapter 19 and the story begins in verse 1. The Bible says it came to pass, or it happened, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper borders, came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said to him, We've not heard of the Holy Spirit. He said to them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, John's baptism. See, here we find a group of believers. They are believers because they are disciples of John the Baptist. And they were baptized by John the Baptist. But they weren't familiar with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a symbol that your life is changing and taking a new direction. You don't get baptized every time you read something in the Bible and learn something new, because if you did, we would be being baptized pretty much every day. But when our life changes, it takes a major change in direction. As for these people, when they learn the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, notice what the Bible goes on to say. Paul said, John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance. He testifies very clearly here. John's baptism was a true baptism saying to the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, which is Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So I ask you the question, how many times were these people baptized? And the answer is quite simple. They were baptized twice. Did their second baptism deny their first baptism? Clearly not. By being baptized a second time, was it saying that their first baptism was invalid? Well, you know, it would be a bold person to say that the baptism of John the Baptist was invalid. No, their second baptism was a confirmation of their first baptism and their second baptism built on the foundation of that first baptism. Why were they baptized a second time? Very simply, they had discovered new life-changing doctrines. And because of that, they chose to take a new path, a new direction in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And when they did, they responded by being baptized again. And the same is appropriate for us today. What about people who have walked away from God? Well, the Bible says 
that if we have walked away from God, we need to go back and to do the first works. In fact, in Revelation chapter 2, the Bible speaks about it over here, Revelation chapter 2, where God says, I have something against you. If you've left your first love, these are people who have left God. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and go back and do the first works. In other words, you need to go back and start over again because you've wandered far from me. You need to go back and make a fresh start. Sometimes I come across people who have been devout followers of God and yet they've wandered from God, far from God, and they want to come back. Is it appropriate for them to be baptized again? Well, the Bible says that the answer to this is yes. Go back and do the first works. What are the first works? Hebrews chapter 6 has the answer. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation. The first works. What are they? Repentance, faith, baptism, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. He lists baptism right along here. And so it's appropriate to go back and to do those things again if we have wandered away from God. I was involved in an evangelistic program in the United States. And there was a lady who came to that program and she was 92 years old, sharp as a whip, 92 years old, and she gave her life to Jesus Christ for the first time and requested baptism. And the day of her baptism came and it was a day of great rejoicing. And the pool where she was to be baptized was separate from where we were holding the meeting. And as she was walking towards the place where she would be baptized, she tripped on a crack, an expansion joint in the concrete fell over and cracked her head on the concrete. Well, of course, immediately we called the ambulance. When the ambulance arrived, they were about to rush her off to hospital when this lady refused. She refused point blank, and I don't know about you, but I've come across some stubborn people at times, and she was a stubborn person. She refused to get into the ambulance. And she said, no, this is the greatest day of my life. This is the day of my baptism. And I'm not getting into the ambulance until I've been baptized. And that started a bit of an argument with the ambulance, the ambos who had come to rescue her when they realized this was an argument that she wasn't going, that they weren't going to win. They then said, okay, we've checked her out and she can proceed. And what happened was they put her in a wheelchair, wheeled her over to the pool and then four people picked up that wheelchair by all four corners and she was baptized there that day, wheelchair and all, because she said, I've been waiting 92 years for this and this day will not pass without me sealing my decision to give my life to Jesus Christ in baptism. You see, friends, baptism is a symbol that takes place on the outside of what has taken place on the inside. It's a testimony of what has already happened. The water doesn't wash the sins away. It's a symbol that those sins have already been washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ. I've got to tell you that ever since then, that lady's testimony for me has been a powerful testimony of somebody who was determined to make their testimony for Jesus, a public testimony and a public confession on that day, a public confession of their decision for Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes we come up with the lamest excuses 
to resist the pleadings of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit on our heart. And if God is speaking to your heart right now, don't hold back. What does the Bible say right here in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16? And now, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. As you've been watching this presentation this evening, I know that many of you are feeling deeply convicted in your heart that you would like to be baptized. When the Holy Spirit convicts your heart, the most important thing you can do is to follow up on that conviction by making a decision for Jesus Christ. And right now, I'm calling you, every single one of you, who is feeling that conviction right now to make a decision for Jesus Christ. You see, friends, I'm not in your home. This does not come from me. I can't create something within you. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's important that you listen and that you follow. And so we want to make available to you an opportunity here this evening to make that decision for Jesus. If you go to our website, theend.digital, you'll find right there on the front page a simple decision card that you can fill out. And right there you can give us your name, address, details. We want to help you in your decision for Jesus. You can give those details and we will be able to follow you up and help you as we make sure that you're able to be baptized just as you desire and just as Jesus desires for you. If you can't find it to that particular location, then simply text your desire to the number that you can see on the screen right now. We will definitely follow you up. And failing all that, you can pop it into the comments in the comment sections on YouTube or Facebook. Just let us know about your decision. We want to make sure that every person who makes a decision for Jesus Christ and to give their life to Him in baptism is able to experience the blessing of publicly witnessing for their faith in Jesus Christ through baptism. Once again, what does the Bible say? Right here in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And now, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Every single one of us who has Christians, who has experienced the joy of baptism, will testify to you that there is no greater joy than publicly giving your life to Jesus Christ in baptism. And that's the blessing that we want to extend to you right now. And so if God is calling to your heart, then why don't you let us know right now? You can do it on the website. You can do it via the phone number, the text number, or you can do it in the comments. Just let us know about your decision and we will make sure that you can receive this very special blessing. And may God bless everyone. You've been listening to The End. For more information about this program or any of this show's free offers, visit www.theend.digital.